Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hitting that play button for another episode of the Hetty Coleman Podcast, where I sit down with fabulous people to help go win conversations. Go win is being consistent and doing the right things that allow for you to achieve the wins you have defined for your life so that you can live out your greatest story. Now, I want three things to happen when you listen in on the Hetty Coleman Podcast. One, I want you to learn. Not only learn something, but learn about people who I think have amazing stories. The second thing is I want you to be inspired to take action on whatever that win is that you uh, have defined for your life. I want you to take action on it today. As soon as you finish listening to this podcast, go take action. And the third thing is community. I want all of us who have wins to come together and be able to support one another, achieve, achieve those wins so that we can all live out our best story. Today, ladies and gentlemen, today is one of those days where you just have amazing people coming to your presence. And if you like me right now, I got a glass of water. I'm sweating because I'm just nervous <laughs> that I'm I don't want to mess it up, y'all. I want to ask the right questions. I got my man, Norman Marklin in the building, in the studio, y'all. How you doing, Norman? Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I cannot complain. Um, just want to thank you for having me, man. You've always been a, a great influence and mentor in my life, man. So, thankful to be here, man. I'm doing good. Hey, I'm honored I'm honored to be sitting across from you and uh, just to be able to, to, to learn from you, to be inspired by you. And, you know, we're already in community together. Right, right, right. You know, and so uh, just to continue to do those things. Man, tell me, um, let's just jump right into it. Okay. You don't mind, and people will learn about you as we go. Um, what did you see yourself being when you was a kid? Like, what, what did yeah. you dream about when you was a kid? Yeah, so, um, you know, I come from a low-income family, single-parent household, and so I really didn't have a lot of exposure to different careers and opportunities growing up. Um, so when I was growing of course, I was like many kids. It was very involved in sports. Um, so I basically, through education, thought, like, being anything with some type of engineering. So I actually thought I was going to be a computer engineer. Uh, so when I went, I was in high school, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a computer engineer. So when I got to college, I... Where'd you go to, where'd you go to high school? I'm originally from Lawton, Lawton, okay. Oklahoma. Shout out to Lawton. Wait a second, did you graduate from Lawton? I graduated from Lawton High School. Yeah, so I didn't know, you know, we didn't, back then, we didn't have um, a lot of exposure to, to, to higher education. So I was just like, yeah, I'm, I think I probably looked some up or thought, oh, I'm going to be a computer engineer because they make a lot of money <laughs> until I got to college and took college algebra for business. Um, and so that kind of, that, that, that whole goals and aspirations fell really fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so I kind of was always at this crossroads uh, uh, in, in life, right? And so I remember um, being a freshman in college and thinking like, man, like I, wanna, I just want to work in the community. Like I, that's what I know best. I come from the community. The community <laughs> saved me. Uh, and so, ironically, all of my career paths have been centered around community, whether it's been in higher ed or the nonprofit sector and now with the state. Uh, and so I never really kind of knew what I, want, uh, what I wanted to do, but I kind of purposely, like, fell into positions that were very fulfilling for me. Got you. Yeah. Now, when you say work in the community, like, tell, tell me what that means to, yeah. to you. Yeah, so I'm a very – I'm a thinker, right? So, like, growing up in Lawton, again – uh, uh, again, very impoverished communities, um, very very community based. When we talk about like the peers I grew up with, um, it's very multicultural, uh, very diverse. And so for me, like looking back on my life, like I always have these po uh, questions that kind of keep me up at night, like my passion and my purpose. And so I remember like it was a lot of people that pulled me to the side and really kind of led me into organizations that created this sense of belonging for me, um, this sense of community. So I always looked at like what is it about things that make people successful versus other people? So like I come from a community that has high crime rate, um, a lot of gang activity, um, a lot of uh, impoverished families. So what was it about me that afforded me the opportunity to break a lot of those cycles of generational cycles? And a lot of that was the organizations and the community I was involved in. Mm -hmm. um, and those communities really helped mold me. So when I thought of like, what can I do? I, all I knew was like, the community. So I wanted just to work in the community, whatever job, whatever major that looked like, I wanted to be involved in that. And so luckily for me, like I've been fortunate to have a lot of opportunities 
um, that led me to my purpose, right? It led me to really serving and working with people um, that may be traditionally underserved. So that's that's my calling and that's my purpose. And I've just been for, fortunate to bask in it for a long time. That's cool. Now, where'd you end up going to college? I, so I graduated Lawton High School, went to University of Central Oklahoma, first generation college student. Shout out to UCO, Bronchos. So, <laughs> <laughs> come on, Broncos. Now, oh, you did you have OU connection? I, I did. So I ended up graduating from UCO, and I got my first master's at OU. Um, well, where'd you get and, your second and, and third and fourth? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Look, listen. Like people gonna think like, oh, he got out. Look, all the things I've done have been mirrored, mirrored <laughs> behaviors. Like I always seen someone and I was like, I want to be like that person. Uh-huh. And I was just like, hey, like what did they do to get to where they want to be? Yeah. And so after like I was, I, I had these crossroad moments and like my senior year, uh, I was very involved at UCO on campus. I was a leader. And but I was go, coming up to graduation and like everyone was like, well, what are you going to do? Where are you going to work? Yeah. And I was like, I ain't got no job lined up. Yeah. So I had a, a mentor. I always had mentors, somebody that seen more in me that I seen in myself, and they always just poured into me. And again, again, I'm thankful to be here because of people that always just planted those seeds in me. So like, um, she was like, "Well, why don't you like? You're like a super student, like right? You like to be in a union. You like to talk, and you like to be involved in every activity. You know those students. I was one of those. So I was like, why don't you just work at a university? I was like, oh, you can do that. So it's like, go get your master's in higher education. Um, so that was my first master's, and I ended up working at OU um, after that. Oh, what did you do at OU? So I was, so I was the director of Upper Bound, uh, which oh, is really? a TRIO program. Yes, yeah, shout out to TRIO. So funny story. So I was a counselor. I was a regist- uh, residential tutor advisor, RTA, for the UCO Upper Bound program. And that was like my junior and senior year. So I was a counselor during the summer, our six-week summer program. Uh, Pamela Edwards, Rosario Riley, they ran that program. So, again, I'm working with kids from South Star Spencer, um, Crooked Oak, and Capitol Hill. So, at that moment, I was like, wow, these kids are like me. Uh, these kids, so I was, it was like kind of my light bulb moment in college where I was like, oh, I want to work with kids that grew up in similar environments that me because I feel like I can be a good example for them. So, that was my kind of like, oh, this is what I want to do for, for a living, right? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, how do I get there? And so, I ended up, um, again, um, being fortunate to fall into a position in leadership immediately after I got my master's. Uh, and I was a director of Upper Bound at the University of Oklahoma for eight years. First of all, <laughs> it doesn't even feel like you've been around eight years. Yeah, you know I'm, what I'm, a lot older, I'm a lot older than I look. <laughs> yeah, like eight years then. How long were you at Pivot? So I was at Pivot is six, seven, almost seven years. Yeah, I just left Pivot. So Wow. So, so, so I fell in. Pivot was formerly Youth Services for Oklahoma County. And I was at I was at OU, and I was at a, another crossroad, and I was like, man, like, what do I want to do? And I always have these probing challenges in my head. And what I was finding is that a lot of people, my students were matriculating into higher ed, and some of them weren't becoming successful. They weren't transitioning from freshman to sophomore year. Um, it was it was, and I so I was like, what 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 was about? that that didn't allow them to be successful and what i found was was the psychological part so i was like well what do do i want to stay in higher ed or do i want to work more entrenched in the community so i can kind of build the foundation to help them become successful so i looked at like what are my what what were my experiences and what allowed me to overcome them to become successful. So I made this decision to jump out of higher ed and get into the nonprofit sector, which at the time it was uh, Youth Service Oklahoma County. And I was like, well, I probably need another, and I had a friend, Karen Leach was a therapist. He's like, you should go look into counseling. You could really learn like how um, the psychological effects of behavior and how that translates into a systemic environment. So that's what I, my goal was to go into counseling. I ended up going to the Langston University, Oklahoma City campus. And I got that job at, I was a youth service, youth services for Oklahoma County, and then we changed, we rebranded to Pivot. One of the best decisions I made, because what it did was allow me to understand from, from an environmental, um, uh, generational trauma lens of what that looks like in, in, in the system of, 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 in these systems. So, like, my kids, a lot of them weren't matriculating from freshman to sophomore year because they didn't feel like they had a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, when they hit adversity, they would kind of revert back to those trauma responses, um, the feeling of isolated imposter syndrome, and not just feeling like they belong in that environment with 300 kids. Uh, and that's like, how do we teach them to persevere through that? Like, what does that look like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's make meaning of our experiences to develop purpose to allow us to be successful. So um, that was my kind of 
passion and so I kind of did that within Pivot, um, working in the housing sector, the homeless population, um, youth that are transitioning out, really helping them garner life skills that are essential and really coordinating resources to allow them to live independently. So I did that for seven years. Kill, you <laughs> killed it for seven years. Yeah, yeah. You killed it for eight, yeah. then you came and did yeah. seven more. And now you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now where are you at? Now, so now recently, I uh, just transitioned into the uh, Oklahoma Department of Human Services um, as the new director of the Workforce Hope Community Center uh, off of Northwest Tenth and Rockwell. So it's just been there for over a month, and I'm really looking forward again to working within this system, working within this space to really um, help people that are. T again traditionally underserved gain access to long-term employment um, so really like how do we create cross-sector partnerships and collaborations with different partners to allow people to navigate um, some of their barriers and we can help them eliminate that barrier so they can um, have long-term engagement with the workforce yeah nice now let, let's kind of work backwards okay uh, from so what I'm hearing I almost feel like almost from the beginning you've had roles as what somebody would define as a leader like to be a director automatically yeah. we would say that that's a leadership role. Yeah. Now, I do believe that sometimes people have roles and they're not very good leaders, yeah. right? And so the only reason I'm following this person is because of that role, not yeah. not that they've done anything that I would warrant them to be uh, a leader, right? Right. Uh, but, but in your role, I don't – like from what I know of you, what I know of you, I don't think that's you. Like I feel like you probably came into that role – and you did what I see as a leader. A leader is somebody who comes in and they serve the team in order to move forward yeah. in whatever the win is for that organization yes. or the mission of that, right? Yeah. Uh, when you came to OU as the director of Upper Bound, what were some of the things that you had to maybe learn mm -hmm. to be consistent in in order to get the most out of your team, in order to, to fulfill the job, the duty of whatever that mission was? Or something that you may have already like knew that you when you go in you were going to try to be consistent in doing these yeah. things, um, and well, if you don't get all that, I'll, we'll follow back. Yeah, yeah. So when I got when I was at OU, I was really young. Um, mm -hmm. So learning learning the landscape of uh, of higher education, really learning how to communicate in a very professional way, um, learning how to be really learning how to be professional. Um, in different environments. And so one of the things I always knew that comes second nature is the community. But how do you really create an environment where you can help uh, empower your staff and also allow them to um, respect you? So I was very young, and so I always felt like I had to like present myself in a way that was super professional, so I always dressed up. Um, and that's why I always dress up now, because I, I have a very youthful spirit and youthful look. So just the professionalism is something that I had to learn, really like the um, professional language and really how to use empowering, encouraging words and really delegate because I'm, I'm a doer. Um, so really like, and that's still a process, so really learning how to empower other people. And I really typically done that by leading by example. I really don't know any other way. Is really being, I call it being in the trenches, like being in the moment, being in there with the community. And I think that builds a certain amount of level of rapport and respect among staff here, where people know that I'm genuine and I'm authentic. And so I've always just tried to lead with integrity. Um, and so to answer your question, the biggest thing I learned was really the professionalism, like how to communicate. Mm -hmm. um, being a first generation of student, like what that looks like um, in a leadership role when everything, everyone's looking at you. So learning like different levels of adaptation when it comes to communication. There's a certain way you communicate to parents. There's a certain way you connect with the kids. There's a certain way you connect with your staff. And then there's a certain way you connect with other um, professional individuals within the university setting. Yeah. So I so let's let's talk about that communication piece. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, when I'm in a professional setting, if I'm dealing with parents, if I'm dealing with yeah. youth, is that a natural thing? How do you learn that? Like, because because have you ever been around people who they try to do that, yeah. but it doesn't. Yeah. It's not. It doesn't feel natural. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. tell. Like, what? How did you learn to do that? Or is Man. that just something you feel like some people are gifted at and some aren't? So I think that's. I would say this. I, I learned that I'm fortunate to come from a very diverse background. I mentioned that I grew up in law, but I also before that I was on a military base. Mm -hmm. um, my parents were when my parents were together, my stepfather um, and my mom. So I grew up around very diverse cultures. So, um, but then I moved to uh, America. Well, I was on an army base, then I moved to um, Lawton, and then I moved to I moved to Texas, then I moved to Oklahoma. So I have a vast experience with culture, mm -hmm. and I have been around multiple. Uh, 
diverse people. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how I, that has allowed me to learn how to adapt in different environments. I know some people that are raised in silos, very um, homogenous communities. They only see one thing, and they may be only naturally be able to identify with one group of people. But for me, I've had a lot of experience, like being in the military, being around different states and countries, mm -hmm. and coming from Panama. Like I've seen what it's like to have that type of culture, and then coming here, and then coming to college in the city, Oklahoma City, which is extremely segregated. Like I got to see. So it allowed me to learn like different levels of like adaptation and assimilation, but also being authentic. So it's allowed me to really like connect with different type of people using yeah. my experiences. And I think this just comes natural to me. Um, and I think I, I owe that to just my experiences growing up. Yeah. Right. So so it's not so much it it comes natural. It, it's more so because of your experience. Yes, right? definitely. Yeah. When when I think about natural, it's like. I don't know. It's just yeah, something yeah. that's just yeah. happened, right? Yeah. But what I hear you saying, and, and I love the point that you're making, is like I've just been around a whole bunch of different types of people. Mm -hmm. And from that, I've learned to adjust depending on who I'm around. Exactly, yes. Now that I'm a leader and I have to interact with these different types of people, it just comes natural for me to understand, oh, here I can talk. Yeah. I need to speak yeah. on a professional whatever. Yes. Here I need to talk to parents. I know how to talk to parents. Yes. I can get down with the young people. Cause and let me, let me speak to that um, excellent point and just to highlight what you're saying. Like, for me, I take pride in, like, when you talk about servant leadership and mm -hmm. you talk about serving people, right, uh, you know, not to get all scripture, but, like, loving thy neighbor. Like, I grew up around – some, sometimes in the professional set, I could be around – investors that make make a lot of money but also be in the, in the community where I was raised that may have people that have you know criminal records and yeah. to me like the importance and I value connecting with anybody not based off of what where they are in life so I learned that by um, really just growing up around different type of people and really not like looking down on anybody and keeping that same model and value today and that's why I think it affords me a lot of opportunity mm -hmm. and, and success in those environments when it comes to working with um, working with different populations of people so I'm a connector and I feel like God's like I want you to be a bridge to people and I really pride myself on that and being able to identify and relate to different demographics of people yeah that's good now coming into <laughs> coming into OU Upper Bound Young mm -hmm. I feel like now that I'm listening to your story even more has played you um has has paid you um great dividends, mm -hmm. right? Because you got to when somebody hires somebody young, it's saying, Hey, I'm a, I'm willing to let you mess up. Like especially if that person understands like, oh, this person's young. Yeah. But I can see in them the ability to do whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you see that and I feel like you've already kind of said that, but do you see that that has been an advantage for you? Because you started young, you can say, well, I was at OU eight years, mm -hmm. and you had a pretty substantial role mm -hmm. coming in early. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really got me to where I am now. And in every situation, there's always barriers, uh, more so like systemic barriers and navigating um, the relationships and how um, the unwritten rules and those values are things that organizational ha organizations may have. So learning how to navigate that in different spaces, like has really, being a young person, learning that um, has really afforded me a lot of success, like you said, and just like building that up to really focusing on my purpose and not looking at like the title or the relationship part of it, but just focusing on the work has really got me to a place where I feel like um, there's some merit to the work I've done, um, and just being consistent in that has really provided me a lot of opportunity. Yeah. So uh, talking about communication, uh, another thing you talked about was empowering mm -hmm. the people that are on your team. Yeah. Uh, you said that one of the ways that you empower them is by you leading by example. Is that mm -hmm. the way that yeah. you said that? Yeah. yeah. So, like, I call it um, – you know, being in the trenches and, mm -hmm. and getting in the weeds of things. And, like, a lot of it is just, like, serving. And, like, you always had to hear those people, like, those quotes and those memes, like, you should treat the janitor the same way you treat the CEO. Like, I, I really value that because I have people in my family that are janitors. Like, mm -hmm. I have people that I personally, like, know that have these experiences that I would never, like, separate myself from. So, like, when it comes to, like, leadership, I really feel like my – my the way I lead is just by leading by example, right? This is how we're going to treat people. This is how we work through conflict. Like, this is how we come together. And, you know, I'm not perfect, but I feel like that's one of the areas that I feel like I've been able to really um, be a leader in is by showing people, like, even though we have these differences, like, let's break that down and really, like, work through. Because most of the time we have more in common than we have difference. So I, you know, pride myself on having some of those crucial, critical conversations at times when there's needed. 
do you think that um, when when people see you working in the trenches, mm-hmm. right, and and they're and they're working for you, do you feel like you have to come back behind them and, and explain to them like, hey, I want you to do what I do, or do you think people just naturally tend to to follow the example that's set before them? Yeah, I think I think both. I I never tell someone to do something they're not comfortable in, but I when it comes back to empowering, um, I want to be an educator and I want to be able to be a, a connector of people right so like in the trenches I feel like I learned the most and so how can I use that to educate other people to break down those barriers so when it comes to staff I feel like if they see the the leader one of the leaders do it then they're more likely to do it and if they don't they'll go get the leader because they feel like they have that rapport yeah. and that leader can be that bridge to bring those people together right yeah, yeah. so that's really what I try to utilize that for is to build rapport with people and allow them to break down those barriers so we can get things done that's good yeah that's real good <laughs> yeah, yeah that's real good yeah is, is there anything that you track so for example uh, I try to write a thousand handwritten notes man I need to a, do that a, man a year. that's cold. <laughs> No. Is there is there anything that you track in order that you feel like helps you create that opportunity to serve other people? And I and I and I think that in the way for me to better serve people mm-hmm. is to create influence. A handwritten note to me, whenever I write somebody a handwritten note, they get it and it, it's, it's helping create some influence. Yeah. Not so that I can go tell them what to do, yeah. but it allows for me to better serve them. Yeah. Is there anything like something <sighs> intentional like that that you I, do that you track? I, I don't track. I need to track. Okay, but I'm very intentional about connecting in conversations and like active listening and yeah. like even like the fostering and nurturing relationships. The people that I happen to be intimate or like have a relationship with, I try to foster those things by being consistent. So um, it's definitely something I probably need to do better at tracking. But even like I have friends that are childhood friends that you know I'm able to still have a relationship with, even though, even though our lives may have went in separate directions, right? So I still honor those things because at one point they were. Um, very meaningful and still meaningful to me. So, and then currently, anybody I meet, I'm trying to be very intentional um, about making them um, a priority and making sure, like, when they have that, ex- when we have an engagement, we that experience is something that's very empowering. So, I hope my the people that I that worked with me have had that experience with me. Just just some of those honest, crucial conversations and like being authentic um, and, and pos- positive self regard, like accepting people for who they are and helping them understand like their purpose. So. I, I, I really try to do that within my profession and also through the community work I do in my nonprofit and stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. What, what's the scariest thing about being a leader? The scariest thing is um, the expectations. Like, uh, oftentimes it's the expectations I put on myself. Um, and I think um, it, the, the higher you go, the more recognizable you are. I think that, 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 that's breeding ground for criticism. Um, and as a leader, you know, you have to be the one, you have to kind of be the first, not always, but you want to be the one that's known for being the first one and the last one to lead, but also the one that, you know, empowers staff and not takes credit, but also when it's time for adversity, be able to show up and work through. So just just those things are difficult when when it's time. Everyone looking at you, and you're the one that's supposed to have the answers, that's, yeah. that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of pressure. And so now that I've, I am growing, um, I'm trying to, like, embrace the role of being the face and being a leader being more recognizable in the community because um, i've done the background work i've done the work in the community but now as it become more the face yeah. it's a little intimidating so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a little more uh uh a purposeful like this is a part of the process right and like yeah. being more confident in that realm yeah what what do you do when you don't have the answer what have you what have you learned to do so i i'm i'm a, i figure it out so like one of the good things about um, I, 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 I do, I go, and I, oftentimes I learn from trial and error. Yeah. Luckily, I've knock on wood, I've never made that big of a mistake that has cost me my job or put me in, or at risk, but typically I try to navigate things by, if I don't know, some, know it, then I find someone that does know it. And I'm mm-hmm. really good at connecting with people that are subject matter experts in different things, so I always try to lean on my relationships to really get me to where I want to be. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, uh, did, what do you tell your team when you don't know the answer? Do you tell them you don't know the answer? Or? Yeah, I, I, oh, don't, yeah, I don't yeah. mind being. See, that's the thing about me. I don't mind being vulnerable, and I don't mind yeah. not knowing, right? And so, but I, but I can find out, and I, you know, tell the team like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna, let's, let's get, let's find that out. Let's, let's, let's go through that together, right? Yeah. Or what do you think? Or like, what's your idea? Yeah. And so, I, selfishly, I don't really take a lot of credit, and I think it's how I am, man. And like, so for me, 
being a, a collaboration, like the, the, the cornerstone of diversity and inclusivity is like really like including those voices. So if I don't know, I don't mind leaning on someone that may know more than me or know someone that knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Um, let's go back to uh, Norman in high school. What, what was Norman in high school like? Woo! Man, actually, in high school, I was all right. I was all right. So <laughs> in, in our middle school, that's like <laughs> So, you know, um, again, I was... Wait, wait a second. So middle school, you used a little bit more man, rambunctious? I, w- I, yeah, I wasn't rambunctious. I just was uh, easily influenced, I would say that. Okay. Um, again, I, I didn't have uh, a great relationship with my biological father. So, like, I was, um, just like any other adolescents, went through those transitional years where it was difficult, like, making decisions, fostering and knowing who I was as a young man. Um, so... Um, I, w- I would say I was not as a leader as I should have been. I was a little bit of a follower. Um, but, again, I've always had older people that poured in to pull me to the side and poured into me. Like, i give you an ex- example. My freshman year, I was ha- partying and hanging out um, back when they had the 2X, 3X tees. I was yeah, wearing yeah. those. And, yeah, the big tees yeah, on. And I had a lady from Trio, Title three, Title Nine program, Carla Woods, pulled me to the side and said. Where was this at? In at UCO. At freshman UCO. year, right out of – so I was hanging out. Oh, freshman year of college. Freshman year of college. Okay. Not to fast forward to college, but I was hanging out yeah, every yeah. night. And I always had someone pull me to a side. This time, it was Carla Woods. And basically was like, you're, you know, you're better than you need to – you need to be in this environment. So back in high school – I was fortunate to be, um, I, I was around, I was around the wrong, wrong crowd, and there was a lady that pulled me into her office, I can't remember the counselor's name, but she showed me Project, she showed me um, Oklahoma Promise, and she talked to me about Oklahoma Promise and got me involved with Educational Talent Search. Mm. And after that, I started going on college trips, I came up here to UCO, Langston, and OU, and I was like, wow, like there's actually life outside of Lawton. And uh, I was fortunate to get in talent search, which really created a sense of, like, surrounding me with other kids that were college-bound. Yeah. So that, again, that community piece, yeah. that's why I look back and I'm like, I have to recreate that. And that's, that's, that's it right there. That's my pocket. That's my purpose. Yeah. So, so, so was that from the transition from middle school to high school, how, soon, how early was that into high school that she had to pull you aside? That was sophomore year. Your sophomore year? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And at that time, I had a, unfortunately, I had, a, I had a lot of friends who were – uh, deviating into gangs, and it was you know that, that was those transactional years where you're like figuring out what you want to do. Um, so now, like I know that that's my that's those years are very formidable, right? Mm-hmm. As a therapist, and like so, you know, being a part like going to Kojak and speaking to the young young man there, like I want to be an impression because I didn't see a lot of black men that had professions that carried themselves in a very professional way that were married I didn't see a lot of that so what I seen was contradicting to that so let me be a representation for that so I realized like the gap and I was like well there's just a lack of access and opportunity so like how do I represent that right so I started getting really quickly started getting very purposeful on just from based off some of my experiences but you know, and that's why I don't try to judge. I just try to really be a connector. And like you, you always do say, you know, love on people yeah. um, and pour into people because yeah. I'm literally one mistake away from, from not being here, yeah. right? I was just always fortunate to be surrounded by people that always looked out for me and poured into me even when I didn't know what I was capable of. Yeah. Do you uh, intentionally seek out mentorship? Oh, yeah. I try to. When, when did that start for you? That started meant my senior year. Junior year in college, I got a, my first job was, was Oklahoma City Parks and Recreation. And I met a man, he's still my mentor today, Christopher Hamilton. Uh, he was a great mentor. He's the director of recreational services, I believe, for, for Oklahoma City Parks and Rec. He was the first man that I seen in person talk positively about being married and his kids. And he really influenced me to like want to be a better man. And so now as my journey has gone on, I've met other men that look like me that represent something that I want to represent. You're one of them, Um, you know. So I I honor that and just like that pipeline of like what masculinity and manhood looks like, particularly for the black male community. And I want to be a representation. And and so I mentor a lot of young males. I have a foundation that specifically targets black men that are graduating high school. So really just breaking down some of those stigmas and recreating um, that through a therapeutic and successful process. Yeah, um, that's good. So, do, how do you um, 
this uh, this mentorship just happen for you, or do you look at somebody and say, okay, I intentionally want to? Yeah. And sometimes it's not a, that we got to meet every day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do do you intentionally go after those people or seek them out, or is it kind of like I just watch and let them mentor from a from a yeah, distance, I've, and maybe both? It's a little bit of both. I've had people that has intentionally seeked me out, mm-hmm. and then I. I have, I have seek people out or I just throw the mentor tag on somebody. So yeah, I, yeah. I see them and I like the way they move. I like the way they carry themselves. I like what they represent and I may not be there, but I want to be something like that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I intentionally try to seek out those relationships, especially from older men that may be a little more experienced than me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. definitely. And I don't mind like putting myself out there and say, Hey, uh, and I try to do that for the younger youth as well. Yeah. So let's go back to, you said Carla, was it Carla, Carla Wood? Wood. Yeah, Carla yeah, Wood. I just seen her for Juneteenth. Freshman in college, mm-hmm. she pulls you aside. Hey, this isn't the crowd. You need to be with that crowd. One of the things that whenever I do a go-in workshop, we oftentimes talk about the go-in approach. And the go-in approach are these right things that I feel like regardless of whatever your win is, you need to be consistent in doing these, yeah. doing these four things. And one of those things is being around the right people. Yeah. You know, but consistently just placing yourself in, amongst the right people. And so yeah. when you said, like, this isn't the group. This is the group. What was that group? Yeah. Like, who who were these people? Was it a, a, an association, organization, or just? Yeah. And it don't even have to be a group. Like, I, I, I try to be um, very authentic and very upfront. Like, you can still have your group of friends, but you also need to, like, create an environment that's really conducive to what you want to be. So, uh, for example, so that organization was TRIO. It was, like, joining fraternity. It was, like, so in that fraternity, what were the values and what were the culture um, in that specific organization. For TRIO, it was like college, grad school. It was like study skills. And so being in that framework allowed me to develop skills that were conducive for that particular space, right? And so you can still have friends, but you also need to, not, you also need to balance that out with wherever you want to go is to surround yourself with a framework that's conducive for that particular goal you're trying to reach. And so like really just adaptive functioning skills like learning how to have balance um, and learning really how to like engage to where you can develop behaviors and skills that will project you to where you want to be. Because it's really just about behaviors like because you're going to cognitively you're going to mimic the behaviors that are around you. Unfortunately, if you're living in an environment, um, there are higher chances for you to have behavior synonymous with that environment. But also, like, how do we get you into another environment to allow you to recreate or unlearn and develop new um, behaviors? So I was fortunate to always have people that kind of surrounded me with a sense of community that allowed me to identify and develop patterns of behaviors. Now, I mean, now hindsight looking back, right, yeah. you, you can say that. Uh-huh. Um, for those young men who may be who may be listening to this or older men, like sometimes uh, we oftentimes talk about young men, but sometimes it's even older men yeah. who 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 need these same uh, things. What what where would you tell them to start? What what does that look like? Um, as a therapist, I always try to start with knowledge of self, yeah. um, and really doing a self evaluation of who you are and where you come from and why you do the things you do. And then really try to unpack that and really try to like develop patterns, identify patterns of behavior and then unlearn some things and relearn some things that allow you to become successful. So like self-awareness is so critical because a lot of the things we do are very subconscious and are very much conditioned into us from early childhood, right? So like awareness is critical. And not saying you need to be perfect, but moving the needle on where you want to be is very um, is very conducive. So accountability, that people that are going to hold you accountable, people that are going to pour into you. Um, so I always try to lead with that, but not like telling people they need to like change who they are as a person but like let's just be honest like live your truth but also raise awareness um and and parallel that with where you want to be that's good yeah one tip on on uh kind of helping someone Mm self-evaluate one tip um so from some from a trauma lens is like asking yourself like what happened to you what happened Mm -hmm. to me um instead of like what's wrong right and like Mm -hmm. A lot of times we get stigmatized by society, we, we shame, we guilt, and a lot of times we internalize that, especially if you trauma happened early on. Um, so understanding that, you know, adverse childhood experience, we all go through traumatic experience, some more than others, but like how can we make meaning of that? Like how do we live authentically in our truths and use that as your purpose, right? I'm, I'm a fond believer, like the things that I went through were just gateways to my purpose to help other people 
And so if we look at our audience, a lot of times we'll focus on our, our algorithm, like the things that we attract, but there's an audience that may not know or that are dealing with something that you deal with. So if you focus on that and you focus on purpose every day, you're going to attract the people and you're going to live in fulfillment because you're going to be doing things that other people need to learn. Mm. And so when I talk to people, it's just really knowledge yourself. And then once you have knowledge yourself, you raise your awareness and you accept your truth and then you make meaning of it and you help other people that may have been through the same situation as you. Come on. <laughs> so you doctor. Man, it's huh? a, it's, it, and that's why I like the therapy part, the, especially when it comes to like historical trauma, uh, family structure, and what that looks like from a community behavior lens. Like I'm so passionate about it. And like how can we break those down to like create systems that are inclusive um, and conducive for all communities. Like that's mm. something I'm really passionate about. Yeah. So in, on the individual, how does the individuals fall within the systems they create? How can they recreate systems that allow them to be successful? And it's really just about awareness, right? And then yeah. you know, breaking that down and like learning new behaviors that are very um, c- conducive for long-term success. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. awareness is a big key because a lot of us are just subconsciously doing things that we've seen get yeah. done or what was programmed into us and we just we just think it's reality but yeah. getting unpacking that and accepting other people's reality and working together to make change is is is, a, is important to me and yeah and so and i think for me that's when i when i think about go in and this concept of what this looks like it is about changing behavior that's what i'm saying like what are those right things you need to be consistent in in order to do what yeah even change when it comes to changing behavior yeah if if my if I want to wake up and be a healthier person, I got to change the way I eat. I got to yeah. change the way that I exercise. And sometimes those things allow for you to begin to move uh, in a place of success, right? Mm-hmm. Just by changing some of those things. So so what are those other things? Writing handwritten notes, yeah. change my 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 behavior in a sense of how I see people, or yes. being intentional about seeing people, right? Yeah. And so, uh, no, I, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, for me, I had to do that in my own yeah. personal life in the sense of like, if I was going to, if I was going to do anything, I had to start changing the way that I did X, Y, Z, whatever yeah. those things are. So, yeah. and then as a leader, I think when serving people, being able to have this wisdom, this insight to be able to do it, I sure I love this, I, you getting this, this, this master's or getting a degree uh-huh. in this, you know, as far as counseling goes, because yeah. now you can kind of help. Uh-huh. Formulate those questions to ask people, which is, oftentimes it starts with a question. Right, and like understanding the, the why, the, the mm-hmm. developmental lens of that, especially yeah. in system structure. Like that's something I've learned. And like how can we break that down into like help people identify where the change behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always say uh, in, in the going workshops we talk about uh, your why. Mm-hmm. When we yep. say that if you lose your why, you lose your way. Yeah. And so it's just so important yeah. because sometimes we can forget and then you need to go back to the why in order to get back on the, like, man, why in the world do I want to lose this weight? Well, I want to be healthy and be alone, around for a long time, right, to continue to serve people. Yeah. So uh, if you look at motivation and you look at, like, not to get all cognitive scientists, but, like, if you look at uh, brain patterns, if you look at motivation or why you do the things you do, a lot of times it's to – to, to most of us have this need for acceptance and validation and just a sense of belonging. Like if you create your own, if you create your own community through purpose, like even if you have to go beyond your circle of influence, like that's the purpose, right? And that'll give you, so when you talk about losing weight, once you put purpose onto it, like, oh, well, I need, I'm, somebody's watching me or yeah. I'm, I've motivated other people. Like that's what it comes. You're like, okay, like, yeah. and really helping people find that. Yeah. That gives them more intrinsic and external motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Now, th- now there's one person that I know that you're definitely uh, looking to serve each and every day, and that's your daughter. Oh, my God, man. Oh, what is man. it like to be a father? Man, uh, so it's tough not just to be a, be vulnerable. It's tough. Um, it, it's it's interesting, you know, not growing up with a dad consistently. Like, I, I take I, another, another thing I'm passionate about is, like, my daughter and, like, how do I – be a father. What does that look like? How do I be emotionally available? Like, what does that look like, especially for a little? How do I model a behavior that she can then grow up and mimic? So it's it's, it's it was it's it's anxious, right? But it's new. So again, in all these new experiences I'm having, I'm learning. But um, I've always figured it out, and I'm figuring it out. So I never try to come off as like I know it all. It's like a process. So my daughter's great. She's super smart. Um, so the balance of you know the technology and being engaged and having a little young girl being, you know, like that process. And, um, it's beautiful. It's, it's tough though. It's, I have a lot more respect for 
uh, single mothers and people that parents in general like it's taught me a lot uh, it, but it, I wouldn't trade it for the world like yeah. she has taught me so much about myself um, it's a process of being selfless um, and I was kind of I have a nine brother that's nine year, years old younger than me so I was kind of raised as an only child so like having a daughter like changing like her my responsibilities and prioritizing is something that I'm learning yeah yeah so but yeah. It's, it's fun man it's, it's a price it's, it's work though it's, yeah it's, so yeah. Going going back to the my, my favorite question, what what is something that you try to be consistent in to be the best father? Yeah, just uh, time. Um, so I tr- I'm a very it, this is in work too. I'm very engaging. I'm very um, youthful. Um, I have, feel like I have a gift for youth, and so like doing fun things, like going on activities, like doing get, exposing her to different things that are fun um, is something I feel like I'm very intentional about. Um, being involved in her school. Just, you know, creating that environment where we can engage and connect and that she knows that I'm consistent and I'm there for her. Mm, that's so, good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, tell me a leader that you admire um, and you've had the opportunity to sit down with them. What, yeah. what, what are the questions that you're asking them? So, um, man, I have people that I follow – you're one of them, mm-hmm. that have the great ability to communicate across sectors, mm-hmm. across communities. And that's something that I feel like I want to be more confident and comfortable in. So I would say Waylon Cubitt uh, is just his ability to like foster conversations and be authentic yeah. and identify with different populations of, of people is something that I admire. And so I always try to challenge myself to be more open to, like, accepting people and understanding people's reality so I can connect with them. And so those conversations, like, what does that look like? Uh, I see you guys model that so well. So that's something I, I, I want to learn more of. Like, how do I, especially in the leadership role, now that I'm growing as a leader, I, I'm around different economic status, people that have different types of levels of influence. Like, what does that look like? Um, for me, getting out of my comfort zone and fostering those relationships and conversations. So I would say you're one of those and definitely Waylon. There's some people, my other mentor, Brandon Brooks, people that do it so well. And I feel like connect with different demographics of people. I love that about you guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I see you do it all the time. Like just how you pour into people, man. Like and what does that look like, right, from yeah. a leadership lens? And like that's something I want to model and mimic that you guys do so well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I appreciate that. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think that's true. Like, if you really want to influence a big population of people, mm-hmm. right, I think you got to definitely have that ability to interact with different types of people, yes. right? And so for me, I think what I've learned is just loving people is just yeah. – People are all people. Yeah. I see you go into different rooms and be yeah. able to, you know, still serve. And yeah. That's something that's commendable to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. You just, it's just people, man. And so, and I think that's one of the things. I just try not to look at them too differently. Yeah. Like, depending on, like, if they're homeless or if they're living in, yeah, you know, and, wherever. And a lot of times we, I mean, we normalize our environment. So we may feel uncomfortable going around different communities of people, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you guys, the, how you model that being a bridge, like yeah. I feel like God's calling me to do that more, yeah. like connect, be a connector. Like there's just certain information that the other side won't get. Yeah, like you be in the middle and bring people together. Yeah, by modeling that, right? Yeah. Like connecting with people, no matter what their political, economic yeah. affiliations are. The purpose they're still individuals. Yeah. So hopefully we can model that, right? So I look at you guys as, as yeah. great examples of that. And I think the work that you're going to be doing with the Hope Center, right? Yeah, has to be that. <laughs> yes, and that's why. It, yeah, yes. that's why I'm looking at y'all. I, yeah, yes. y'all I need some help. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. No, so, like, how do I? Like, how do I? Like, right now in this space we're in, we're creating this uh, multi-hub facility that will break down barriers and eliminate um, external factors to help people engage in long-term employment. So, mm-hmm. we're talking about a high transient community, uh, people that are experiencing homelessness, people that are getting out of incarceration, different sectors of people. But we also want to engage those people to where they can be successful, right? Yeah. So they can make really like unpack their trauma, get through their barriers, and have long-term independency, right? So, how do I? And how do I articulate their needs to a community that has leverage and influence um, and resources, right? Yeah. How can I bridge that gap to create a successful environment where everybody can really um, apply resources to become where they want to be? So yeah. 
No, that's good, yeah, yeah. man. I'm, hey, I'm excited about watching you. Yeah. So, I, and then whatever I can do to help, uh, I'm all in for it. Yeah, man. You know, one of the things I was thinking about with you, and I want to. I, I wrote this down, and I hope hopefully I read it right. You know, how you write a question, then yeah, you yeah, read yeah, it, and you're yeah. like, "Man, I don't think that was right the way I wanted to say that." But what have what have you learned? The key to be to making transitions, like high school to college, single to married, pivot to the state. Yeah. What like when I think about you, these different transitions, what is the key to that? Man, what have you learned in man, doing it? Oh, well, so ah, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I'm not, and I'm not good at it because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very creature of habit, and I'm a, of a very, I'm an enogram six. So I was like, I have to have a plan, right? Yeah. So like, I like, I have anxiety, and it's like, so transitions are so hard for me. Mm. But I would say what I've learned is that, like J. Cole says, there's beauty in the struggle. Like the process. Is and I heard you know the process is really the the goal right yeah. and so we oftentimes create these outcomes that society projects on us and like we have to be married by this time or this and now yeah. I've learned like what what success looks like to me and maybe it's not a linear process it may be up and down right so like the, there's a time for everything and just being present and I try to do that it's hard so trying to be present and enjoy the seasons you're in and be mindful of that and like how to teach other people of that like. Life is just a process. Yeah. And those transitions are where you probably, those uncertain, those, those ambiguous moments are probably where you're going to learn the most. It don't feel good, mm. but, like, how do we come comfortable with being uncomfortable? Like, mm -hmm. and as we transition, how do we grow and how do we redefine ourselves and, and, and to be a part of this process? So I'm a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, those transitions, I'm literally going through them now. And it's challenging, but... I think in the long run, you you want to you don't want to be stagnant, right? You want to continue to push yourself forward. You want to continue to grow, and that's so that's so imperative as a leader. So, um, enjoy the process, man. Focus on one day at a time. Break it down. Um, objectify your life, and really just enjoy um, the moment and be be a part of the be be a part of the highs and the lows because that's what life is. It's not all success. I tell young people like. You guys are going through this for a reason. Like, where you are now is, is part of some type of plan. You just have to embrace it. Yeah. And you have to be in the moment. Um, and one day you're going to get through it. One day you're going to come back down and go high. So never get too high. Never get too low. Like, there's beauty in the struggle. Like, yeah. there's beauty in that. Because the struggle is really going to define who you are. You're going to look back and be like, man, I was resilient. I, was, I got through that adversity. And it's taught me so much. Unfortunately, yeah. like, you got to go through those things to be on the other side, to be able to have that purpose. So yeah. trying as best as possible to embrace those moments yeah. and, 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 and lead by example. And yeah. I know on the outside it may look like peaches and cream, but it's not <laughs> like <laughs> social media paint this perception. Oh, yeah, but for sure. It's yeah. tough. I mean, it's tough. It's tough taking leaps of faith. I mean, yeah. but that's what it probably, like if it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. So. Cause you uh, never know what's on the other side. You never know what's on the other side. You like, know, you know, like man. I'm currently engaged. It's like, okay, like all these fears is like, but keep going. Just yeah. keep going. Take it one day yeah. at a time. Yeah, take <laughs> so it one day at a time. It's like, it is, you look back like, it wasn't that bad. No, yeah. Once, <laughs> once you get to the place yeah. where you can look right, back. Right. At least right. I didn't die. Like, <laughs> Right, so yeah, like she's got to keep. I got a little bit more uh, yeah, wisdom in my life. Yeah, because you know? I mean, yeah, because I mean, our just again, not go back to psychology, brain development. Like we want our brain, our natural instincts want to keep us safe, right? We want to mm -hmm. stay in this equilibrium, mm -hmm. but but like grow, push yourself, yeah. Right? And then like, especially if you want to, you have prosperities to be a better person. Yeah. So well, you said uh, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, and I think that's something that I learned a long time ago. Yeah. If you were going, if you're gonna make some moves. You you're gonna have to put yourself Try. in uncomfortable uh, positions. Uh, and you can start small. You can yeah, start, you oh, can start yeah, by yeah. doing something different, talking to somebody yeah. that may work with you that you normally wouldn't talk to. Because yeah. you naturally gravitate what's like you. You're you're yeah. gonna attract. But I always do you know doing diversity trainings and conversations and public uh, speaking events like. Do something that's intentionally, that's something that you want to naturally do. Like, mm -hmm. just follow your patterns, the people you surround yourself. We are more likely to surround ourselves with people that mimic who we are. Mm -hmm. But go outside of that. Challenge yourself to go outside of that. And just try it. Just try something small, right? Yeah. Uh, have lunch with somebody you weren't used to having lunch with. And yeah. see how it goes. Just try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I remember when I first uh, took the role as... Uh, up at the Chamber of Commerce, you know, one of the things that I we used to do these uh, Wednesday uh, kind of get-togethers at 9, 9.30 a.m. Yeah. Every Wednesday we get together as a community. And so then I started encouraging them to exchange uh, gift uh, business cards with somebody mm -hmm. and, and go to lunch with that person. Yeah. You know, because I understood, like, if we don't, and not somebody that you know, yeah. 
But if we don't start doing that, we we won't be the community that we, right. we try to talk about. Yeah. Like everybody, no, everybody doesn't know each other, right. right? But we can get to a place where more people can know each exactly. other if we're willing to step out of our comfort zone. Yep. Reach take over. Lunch. Yeah, reach over. Reach over. And also, you never know. I think the benefit of that can be so great because, mm-hmm. like you were talking about, finding people who are expert matters in, situa- in yep. certain things. Like the more people you know, the more opportunity you're going to have to exactly. know people who right. may be good at something that you're going to at some point need that person's right. I tell, expertise. I tell young people that, like, network, network, network. Oh, yeah. I tell people all the time, I was like, I can't remember last time I filled an application. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. just like, because yeah. people know who the I fact am. That people and, know I know Hedy. They're like, yeah. oh, he must be legit because he know Hedy Coleman <laughs> everywhere I go. Hedy, oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 But no, it's so true. It's like, yeah. I, I tell people the greatest thing I could have ever done for my life was start the We Tell Stories event in 2000. Yeah. You know, and because of that event, I mean, it's like most of the things that you see probably has stemmed from We Tell Stories, was, which was a platform of networking and getting right. the people together. And, and so, yeah, yeah, so it, it's so good. All right, I just got a series of questions, and you can answer with one okay. word or, or however you want to. So if, if there was a billboard that mm. everybody in the world could see, mm. what would it say? Mm. I would have to have a J. Cole quote, love yours. Love yours. Yeah. Like that I listen to that song a lot. That song Love Yours really much talks about like embracing who you are in your process. Mm. So that's good. Yeah. That's good. That's that's a good question. Uh best gift under a hundred dollars. That I've gotten or yeah, that you've gotten. Uh, best gift I've gotten. Uh I would say uh my daughter last Father's Day uh created this thing at her school, her picture in it, and she painted around it. Uh-huh. Uh that was and I still have it hanging out. That was a that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, you wake up tomorrow. Where are you going? You can go anywhere you want. Ooh, wake up tomorrow. I'll go anywhere. Yeah, I would definitely probably go to Panama, where I'm from. Go see my family. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen them in a while. Nice. Yeah. How long did you live in Panama? So I was born there. Um, I lived there up until ten. Uh, from two to ten, I was on an army base. So um, at two, my mom met my stepdad. Uh, which I immediately was a, they got married and I was on army base. But I, my my biological father is still there, and a lot of my siblings and first cousins are still there on my mom's side. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So do you have any family in Lawton? Nope, just my mom and my brothers. Are, he's in the city, but Oklahoma City. But my okay. mom's still in Lawton. So Your mom's still in Lawton, mm-hmm. man. Um, okay, so you're going to Panama. Uh-huh. You're going tomorrow. Okay. You got. I would mi- take my daughter to see Panama. She, I want her to ex- be exposed to that too. Yeah. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. You got a million dollars. What are you doing with it? Oh, million dollars. I got a million dollars. I'm building a transitional center, a traditional homeless shelter for kids that are transitioning out from the age of 18 to 24. Uh, I would build that with um, all-encompass services to help young people be independent. Is that Job Corps? No. Similar. But okay. I like, imagine like Job Corps, Pivot. Homeless Alliance, all in one. All, all yeah. in one. <laughs> <laughs> Paradigm shift, all in one. Hedy Coleman, all in everybody one. in one building. Yeah. All in one spot. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, we, can't, we can't walk away without talking about Motivate. Motivate, yeah. Yes, let's talk about it. Tell them. Tell so Marklin Motivates is my nonprofit. It's uh, really just, again, um, an idea, a passion of mine. Again, like one of the things I always harvest and think, plot on is like, what 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 am I doing for my community that I come from? Like I owe so much to to, to Lawton and the people that I surrounded myself with. And again, I owe a lot of my success success to the people at my old community. And so like I wanted to like do something that would be representative of like me. And so I created this foundation that was centered on. It, originally, it was just like to give scholarships to my old high school. Um, then I seen the need, uh, of course, with like a lot of the racial tension we were having, uh, the political polarization. I wanted to create a. a, a organization of men myself to help other young men who I knew who I know deal with some of the things that I deal with so uh, Markland Motivates has grown to be a community um, community service nonprofit that serves young black men helping them transition as we talked about earlier also with financial literacy and community mental health like what does that look like uh, from a framework that men like them can really um, help them break down some of those generational um, cycles that's good. Yeah, so That's we give good. out scholarships uh, every year, and we also we do mentoring. And so I'm looking to grow that to do more community-based mental health programs, specifically for impoverished black men, uh, dominated communities. That's good. That's good. So do uh, I want to make sure that we talked about the uh, 
um, the tiny houses. Yeah, for tiny pivot. Pivot. Yeah, we got to at least touch base. Shout on, out right? to Pivot, man. I love that's my family. Jennifer, yeah. Jennifer Goodridge, that's my girl. Yeah, yeah. man. She's so, a great leader. You talking about leader? You need to have. She's a great leader. Is she a great? Yeah, leader? She's an amazing leader. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I need to have her on. Yeah, you need to have her can on. You so. make, can you I can ha- make that happen? Can you make that happen? <laughs> I could try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do an email introduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows you. She came to you. You spoke at TSB and then she, she, she has to say she used uh, one of yeah. my quotes. Didn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. She used yeah. one of your quotes. And I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just uh, do an uh, email introduction. Yeah. See, see what we can make happen. So, um, t- talk to just just share. Um, Pivot stars building these tiny houses. Mm-hmm. You were yeah. a, a, a pivotal yeah. piece to making that happen. Yeah. Talk to us about the heart behind it. So let me tell you. So uh, we were transitioning and rebranding our organization, and uh, we had this idea to operate under five domains. Um, and then in that five domains, there was going to be a subject matter person for each domain. And so I was appointed to be the housing subject matter expert, <laughs> which you talk about uh, coming up with our challenges. So at the time, um, housing was the biggest need, still is, and the least resource. So at the time, like, I didn't know. A lot of people were calling me looking for housing, but I didn't have a lot of resources. When you say they were calling students? Students, uh, pro- other providers, teachers, counselors, they were calling. Gotcha. And these young kids were, these transitional age kids were experiencing homelessness. A lot of them were couch surfing, and they were looking to really gain some type of um, housing. And so I went out and found who, what other organizations had housing resources. So I really engulfed myself into the continue of care circle um, coordinated entry, which is led um, with providers around Oklahoma City through the Homeless Alliance. Um, so really learned about all the different other providers. So then um, I believe the grant, the, the funding part of it was a grant written. Um, and then we got this grant, this idea to build tiny homes for transitional age youth. So um, I was in on the operational, the foundational side when it comes to the program aspect of it. Um, what they would do, how they would get in, what that looks like from uh, kind of a case manager behavior lens, right? And so um, had that whole idea, was a part of writing up the policies and procedures, um, the intake process, and then actually, like, what that looked like as far as, like, my staff was over, like, the case management piece. So we had one, which happened to be one of our, my clients, and then we built three, the first three, and then six, we operated six, and now they just opened 20. So uh, that framework is, I think, is forward thinking, and with the current housing climate, it really gives youth a, a very uh, uh, space where they can transition, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking kids that age out of foster care that oftentimes have nowhere to go for no fault of their own, kids that get in out of detention centers, kids that are, they, if you don't go to college or the military, like, where are you going to go? How are you going to earn a living? So that allows young people to have uh, the housing need and then gain life skills that are essential for long-term success. So mm-hmm. having somebody to come in and teach them how to clean up, teach them life skills, teach them how to apply for jobs, um, really that coordinated community um, entry, like I was a part of really um, establishing that and really helping staff, other staff work together on, for the betterment of the kids. So now they've just grown, they're going to continue to grow exponentially and be kind of like I think the experts when it comes to transitional housing for young people. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. In, in learning this process, I can only see them becoming oh, the, yeah. the, the go-to yeah, people to yeah. learn and how I, to do this. And I think, again, we're very reactive as a society. So with this housing epidemic we're experiencing, with the housing market, inflation, um, unfortunately for young people, even older people, like it's just not a lot of resources. Yeah. So what does that look like? What is the what is a model for that? And I think a lot of people will look at Pivot's example of like how do you create a framework for a transition, right? Like how do you get young people from A to B, and right? And I think Pivot has the model for that, considering they have kind of like a one-stop shop for coordinated services when it comes to kids that are aging out or yeah. in those transitional years, 16 to 24. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, so cool. Yeah. So cool, man. Thanks for the work you do. Man, I'm trying. Thank you. Huh? Yeah, I'm man. trying to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be no, like you. No, seriously, keep it up, man. Yeah. And, uh Man, I just keep praying for you Thank that you, you continue man. to do well and yeah. serve your daughter but and getting ready to get married. And Workforce Community Hope Center, we're building. We're currently, uh, our next phase is going to reopen. And I'm excited because we're going to be, one of its kind, one of its kind in, in this region. 
um, really looking at being a one-stop shop for resources. So helping people identify their immediate needs with the hopes of getting them engaged long-term by doing cross-sector partnerships with other workforce employment type services. So what does that look like for people that have barriers? So I'm really excited about that work. Uh, um, I'm going to tap into my Hedy Coleman skills and be a leader. <laughs> so Come on, you so got I'm it. really excited about it. Uh, where can people find you online? So I'm on all social media platforms, uh, Norman Marklin, um, in Marklin too on Instagram. Uh, you can definitely look up, uh, you can Google Marklin Motivates. You can see a little bit of work I do with my foundation. Uh, and yeah, so and you can also look up, I'm the Department of Human Services for Workforce Hope Community Center um, and learn more about what we're doing. Spell that Marklin. M-A-R-K-L-A-N-D. Yeah, Marklin Motivates. Yep. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hitting that play button again for another episode of the Hetty Coleman Podcast. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, as always, go win.